want to be free from. I wonder if there may be a burden that you carried here today. You don't know how much longer you can keep carrying. Maybe there is a sickness or a weakness in your body, sort of like the fever that Peter's mother-in-law had. It's fairly topical for right now, isn't it? And you just aren't able to do what you want to do anymore. Maybe there's a sin that part of you wants very much to be free from, but another part of you just can't or won't let go of. On the other hand, do you find instead that by any reasonable standard, you're as free as a bird, free to do or to be far more than your grandparents would have ever dreamed of? But you don't know whether you're doing something with all of your freedom that really matters. Our gospel story for today, as I read it, helps us to answer these questions. What do we most need to be free from? And then, second, once we're set free by Jesus, what is our freedom for? What are we free from, and what are we free for? First, think with me about what the people in this story wanted to be free from. It's no mystery what Simon's mother-in-law, who was sick in bed with a fever, must have wanted. She wanted to stop having a fever and get out of bed. No doubt she wanted to be free from the suffering that was in her body, free to go on about her life like she always had. I get the sense from this passage that she was the sort of person who was deeply bothered that she couldn't be up and around and doing things. Her daughter and son-in-law, after all, were there for Sunday dinner after church, as it were, with the preacher and family friends. And she knew where the right table settings were and what she wanted to make, and she couldn't do any of it. I think this bothered her. I'm guessing this because as soon as Jesus took her hand and stood her up, what did she do? Well, she zoomed right off to start doing all of the things that she'd been itching to do. This is understandable, isn't it? I think it's no wonder that once word got around that Jesus can do this kind of thing, once he had healed Peter, his mother-in-law, well, the whole town started showing up at his doorstep. <coughs> I imagine that many of us would be right there with him. And so this story shows us, I think, first, something that it's good to remember about the freedom that Christ gives us. First, that the freedom that Christ offers to us isn't just a spiritual freedom or a freedom from sin. It is that, but it's also a freedom that comes to us in our bodies. People with ailments and injuries of every description that had nothing to do with sin come to Jesus for healing in the Gospels. The paralytic, the man blind from birth, the list goes on. On more than one occasion, of course, Jesus is brought to people who have actually already died. The freedom that Christ brings comes and meets us where we are, in our bodies, in our flesh and blood, frail and fragile as we are. From the ancient world right through till today, Christians have sometimes tried to over-spiritualize the Christian faith, to forget about this part of it. 
But it's helpful to notice that Jesus himself never does that. When Jesus hears that his friend's mother-in-law has a fever, he doesn't go over and tell her, don't worry, your spirit will rise to be with the angels in heaven. No. What does he do? He goes over, he takes her by the hand, and he stands her back up on her feet. Makes her good as new. We hesitate, I think, to come to Jesus for healing sometimes. We hesitate to ask for it. But if this story is true, we really shouldn't. There are a few things clearer about this in the Gospels. Jesus is a healer. And the risen Jesus is alive today. And the gift of healing, then, is something for which we may and should, at times, pray. It's true, of course, that we aren't always given healing, even when we ask for it. It seems like God gives it from time to time as a kind of sign or foretaste of the final resurrection of the body that we confess in the Nicene Creed. But the lesson for us is clear. We frail and fragile reeds do stand in need of freedom from the fearsome fragility of our bodies. Not to escape from our bodies, but rather their healing, and finally their resurrection. That is where the freedom we're given in Christ begins. It isn't, however. It isn't, however, the only kind of freedom that we need, is it? Mark goes on to say that that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed by demons. In the passage just before this, from last Sunday, you may recall, Jesus delivers a man with an unclean spirit to the amazement of everyone. Now, you may wonder what to make of this. Many people do. I can tell you, however, that there are many people, I know some of them, who testify that there is no substitute for the language of possession in the Bible, especially people who suffer from an addiction or a mental illness. You may know someone like this. This kind of suffering can feel very much like being in the possession of a force that wants to do you harm or a voice that brings you down. A compulsion. You can't seem to get rid of doing this thing that you don't really want to do that brings with it feelings of guilt and shame while destroying what you care about most. That can be what addiction or mental illness is like. Our collect for today gets right down to the bone of the matter. Set us free, O God, we pray, from the bondage of our sins. The bondage of our sins. One of my favorite preachers and Bible teachers, Fleming Rutledge, taught me to see the word sin in the Bible as written sometimes not with a small s, but instead with a capital S. What do I mean by that? Well, small s sins are something like the sins that we commit each week, like, like, like waking up in the morning before we have coffee and being irritable. But capital S sin is the power of sin that's alive in this world 
and tries to get us under its control. Every time we sin, small s, we give capital S sin, the power of sin, more and more power in our lives. And the human condition, according to the Bible, isn't just that we folks sin now and again, but are basically fine the way we are. No. According to the Bible, and according to our prayer for the uh, prayer book from this morning, we are actually in bondage to the power of sin. Capital S sin. Enslaved. Held captive. Think about what that word means. And we need more than anything else to be set free by God himself. This past week, I read a poignant testimony from a mother who worried that when her daughter started at a new school that she would fall in with the wrong crowd and succumb to some of the pathologies that she saw in the culture of that place. A lot of parents probably worry that kind of thing. Sadly, she wrote, it looks now, a few years later down the road, that some of her fears had come true. That happens. That's what the power of capital S sin means, you see. It comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes, young and old, glittering, dark, whatever it might look like. For a young person, it can sometimes be the temptation to go along with the people around you the people around you who have more or less decided to sacrifice the future to the present, doing things that may be fun for a moment or two, but don't lead to real happiness that lasts. When you get a little older, it can come in the form of the temptation to seek after status and material wealth for their own sake, right? to have the right cars in your driveway and, and the big house in the right neighborhood. Before you know it, You're in so deep that you can't pull yourself out. And instead of admitting that you have a problem, you point your finger at everyone else and can't even see anymore how far you've fallen, how captive you've become to whatever it is. Well, that's what that prayer means. That's what bondage to the power of sin can look like. It happens all the time. For the Bible... And for the Christian faith, we need very much to be free from all of these kinds of bondage, whatever form they may take, whether it's sin, whether it's a dark power kind of possession, or whether it's something in our bodies. The freedom that Christ gives is a freedom from all of these powers, from whatever it may be, seen or unseen, that seeks to tear down and damage, twist and destroy and undo. That is the freedom that Christ gives us. Freedom from all that. And it's not just a declaration of freedom. No. It's the power to be free. Jesus coming to us when we're laying flat on our backs, every bit as laid low as Peter's sick mother-in-law laying in bed with a fever, and taking us by the hand. Where does Jesus come? He comes to us first here in church, where we come to be filled up with hope and truth and love 
and the power of God for our salvation, for our freedom. He comes to us in his word and in prayer. Every single time you take just 10 minutes out of your day, whether you're driving in the car or waking up in the morning having your coffee, to open up your Bible and opening your heart to God in prayer. He comes to us then. He comes to us in his body, by which I mean the church, in things like small groups and Bible studies and outreach ministries and the Daughters of the King, in the relationships that we build in the church that keep reminding us of who and whose we are in Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ who are there for us when we're hurting and need someone to talk to. That's how we become free over time. It isn't just a declaration that a preacher like me makes that kind of hangs out there somewhere in midair. You know, I say, you're free. And then you go home and say, I don't feel free. No, it's a way to freedom. A way of life together where the Spirit of God is more powerful than all the powers of sin, death, and the devil. Christ has won the victory, and now in the power of the Spirit, He is present. We are becoming free in the power of the Spirit in the church. Thanks be to God. Well, I promised an answer, didn't I? Not just to the question of what we need to be freed from, but also what Jesus sets us free for. I imagine that you've already begun to see it. Have you, thanks be to God, been given some freedom from the bondage to sin and the powers that destroy? Do you, praise God, have some strength in your bones this morning and some spring in your step? Well then, look around you. Look around your church, your home, your friends, your work, your neighborhood. Ask yourself, ask yourself, where are the people who need to be set free here? Where are the people who need freedom in my own life? What are they in bondage to? Jesus, you see, took Peter's mother-in-law by the hand and stood her up. And what did she do? She began straight away to serve. To serve. That's what our freedom is for. It's a freedom for service. In the name of Christ, then, may we all go out and reach out our hands to someone in need so that Christ may give them and show them the freedom that Christ gives to all of us, body and soul. Will you pray with me? Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins. Give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then send us out to bring your freedom to all who live in bondage. In the unity and the power of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.